Wow, look at that. We have Tani. It's unbelievable. In full fencing regalia. Yeah, that's uh it's great to have Tani here. Make sure he doesn't stab anyone. It's dedication. It is Thank dedication. you. Okay, so let's get started. Yeah. I want to make one ha'ara b'shita sabinu tam, and then we're going to get into the Marama Lashkar. We have been trying to pin down Rabinu Tam about when is his Trilashkia and when is his Sofshkia. Is his Trilashkia before solar sunset, meaning is Trilashkia prior to the solar disk disappearing beneath the horizon and Sofshkia is roughly then? Or is uh, Trilashkia roughly when the solar disk disappears and then Sofshkia is much later. We don't we don't really know when Trilashkia and Sofshkia is for Binutam. Right? And I was suggesting that for Binutam himself, Trilashkia is probably prior to the solar disk disappearing beneath the horizon. And then Sofshkia probably is somewhere around then for Binutam. Uh, I think that was the best reading of the of Rabbeinu Tam's own shita, uh, and that'll be consistent with the view of other Chachmei Ashkenaz, and it brings the shita of Rabbeinu Tam much closer to what we call the shita of the Goanim. So I just wanted to call your attention to this report of Rabbeinu Tam's shita in the Marach or Zerua. Marach or Zerua is Chaim or Zerua, the son of Rabbi Yitzchak or Zerua. Uh, from him, I think we have mostly Chuvos, Shut Marach or Zerua, and I think they also say that he was Mikatzer, the language of the Orzerua. There's like a Kitzer Orzerua, which, or they call Piske Orzerua, which is, uh, I guess, his abbreviations of his father's Psakim. So it's a very short Chuva, Simon Kupevav. I should mention the other, there's a famous Chuva, the Marach or Zerua about yeshiva students being potter mikola mitzvos from osik mitzvah potter mitzvah that uh usually we don't say there's osik mitzvah for talmud torah but the uh, marachor zerua says that uh talmidim who are you know in yeshiva bifnei rabam uh, at least uh while they're focused on their learning they're they're exempt from mitzvahs pretty wild shita but here in kuf Vav, he's discussing a benutam shita and he writes this uh, which is true. That's a Benutam's view that Misha Tishka is Sofshkia. The opposite of the Uraim's view that Misha Tishka is Trilashkia. Venerally, the Chishain Hachama Niris Yoser Beroshe Haharim have a Sofshkia. When is Sofshkia? When the Chama is no longer visible over the mountains or over the horizon. That's Sofshkia. So that's very, that's probably the clearest definition of Sofshkia that we've had for Rabbeinu Tam, aligning it to the disappearance of the solar disk over the horizon. You know, over the Harim is probably even prior to its disappearance over the horizon, because mountains uh, obscure the sun before it sets at, you know, I guess what would be sea level. So isn't that an unbelievable? Interpretation of Shitas uh, Rabinatam. Sofshkia is when the solar disk disappears, which is just what we call Shkia. Which means, uh, what does that mean? So let's figure that out. That means that Rabinatam Shita is exactly the Shita of the Gonim. 
just that he has this phrase Trilashkia to refer to something earlier. But Sofshkia is the disappearance of the solar disk. That triggers three quarters of a mil of Benashmashos, after which you have Tisikochavim. So it sounds like Abinu Tam is the Shita Sagonim on this view. Ned, do you agree with that reading? Yeah. Pretty remarkable Shita. Do you think this could be a Shita Sabinu Tam, Romy? What was the, what was the, you're asking me if I think it could be? Yeah, could this be Abinu Tam saying? And you're... It could be, yeah. Yeah, pretty uh pretty remarkable. Uh then he quotes me down Parak Pam Madlikin of Nechamiomak Deshi Halak Mishitishka Hamachatsi Mil Pirish Zehave Shir Orech Benash Mashos. The Shir Benash Mashos is uh I guess Orechatsi Mil. Amarab Khanina Harotza Leda Shirosh Nechemia Yaniya Hama Brosha Carmel the Yerid Vyitpal Biyam Vyala Vizeu Shirosh Rab Nechemia. The Gemara gives you a shear that you could see the Chama over Hara Carmel. It's it's confusing to me which Yam he's referring to. What do you think he's referring to? The sun starts in the last minute. You were not clear, Tani. Say it again. If the sun sets in the west, wouldn't that be the Kinaret? Oh, exactly. Very good. I'm guessing that he's referring to the Kinaret, right? Very good, Tani. Um, by Yam, he must mean the Kinaret. You're at the Kinaret. You look to the west. You see the sun over Hara Carmel, which is not sea level. Um. It's not the shear that you're walking from the Carmel into the Yam. You're standing at the the beach in the Kinneret. Pretty unbelievable. So the the Hagdara here is that, uh, you know, it takes you, let's say, a couple of minutes to, I guess, undress, jump, you know, be Tobel in the, in the Yam, uh, come out. By the time you come out, the sun is gone. So he says that idea seems to uh, support this thesis uh, of his interpretation of Rinutam that Sofshkia is when the sun disappears over over the mountains, so, which is really early. So this is a, this is a very strong support from early on, from really the Chuvos of the Chachmei Ashkenaz, you know, the twelve hundreds, so probably less than a hundred years after Rinutam lived. That at least then they saw Sof Shkia for Rabbeinu Tam as equivalent to Shkia Sachama. Okay, any questions, thoughts? Richard, sounds good to you? Okay. Eitan? Great. Now let's turn to the Chuva of the Maram Alashkar. 
And let's get his analysis of the of the Hagdara of Shkia. What's important about this Maramalashkar and this kind of uh, strange is that he is probably the first Shita to make a big deal about this difference between the Shita Sagonim and the Shita Sarbenu Tam, uh, and believing that they're totally out of out of sync. Uh, and then developing the what he takes to be the Shita Sagonim. So can we get a volunteer to take us through the Chuba Maram Alashkar? Let's say a little bit about him. You can see here I gave you a biography. The Maram Alashkar was born in 1466 in Spain. And then he was expelled from Spain with the with the expulsion in 1492. Uh, then he moves around. So he first went south to Tunisia in North Africa. Uh, you just cross the Straits of Gibraltar, and then you're in North Africa and Tunisia. And then he heads over to Greece. It's interesting. So you sail across the Mediterranean. And then he comes back to Cairo in Egypt of North Africa. And then eventually, he uh, makes his way back to Eretz Yisrael, to Yerushalayim. Pretty uh, eventful life, moving around these different communities. But so you have a, you have a very important figure here, the Maramalashkar, of the door of Gole Svarad. And he is weighing in on this question of the Haggadah of, of Shkia. Okay. So who wants to take us through the Tshuva? Volunteer. Who prepared this carefully? Someone volunteer. Anybody, Romy, did you prepare it? Yeah. Okay, so why don't you get us started on it? Uh, sorry, let me just pull it up. Here you go. So let's uh let's get us started. Shayla, or you can tell us outside. What's the question? It's about like oh here sorry yeah it's about um a kid like a baby who's born um on Shabbos before like in the in this in between period of time um like before it's Vadai Lila right before it says Akuchavim um, yeah so when's his bris I mean, what day is he born on slash when's his bris therefore when's his bris. Right, so the t- child is born after Shkia, before it's Seis. Okay? Yeah. So should he have the bris on Sunday? Meaning, you say the child was born ben so we're not going to be doch Shabbos for a Suffolk Shmini. So we push off the bris until uh, Monday. Sorry, we push off the bris until Sunday. That, he says, is the view of the Rif, the Rambam, and the Rush. Why? They'll did too. Um, so it's been Ashmashos once uh, the sun goes below the earth, whatever Malarets means, I guess. Once the Shmashos. solar disk disappears beneath the horizon. So, um, yeah, or or do you say, or do you say that this period of time is actually Yom Gamor, and therefore um, he was born on the earlier day, and therefore his bris should be on Shabbos? 
Right, so you can see here, he assumes that the the Yom for Rabbeinu Tam is like the Chachmis, not, I don't want to say the Chachmis, sorry, but like the later interpretation of Rabbeinu Tam Shita, that it remains Yom Gamur for about an hour after the solar disk disappears beneath the horizon. Why is it Nimo Be'erev Shabbos? It's Nimo Bishabbos, no? Uh, no, because then he's a Friday baby. If it's born on Yom Gomer of Friday, even though the solar disk has disappeared, so Friday's day one, and then Friday the bris becomes uh, the bris is eight days later, which is Friday. But Yom Ashmini. So then, how are the options Yom Arishon or Yom? Because if the child is born on Ben Ashmashos, we're not going to be Doche Shabbos. Oh, oh, I know Suffolk. Yeah, okay, fine. Very Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay, everybody see? So he's clearly opposing this uh, shita, what he calls it, the shita of the Rambam, the Rush, and the Rif, which we'll, he'll later call the shita of the Gonim, that the Shkia Sachama Ben Ashmashos begins at Shkia, the disappearance of the solar disk, with Rabbeinu Tam, who would say it's Yom Gomor for another hour after Shkia Sacham. So that's a controversial reading of Rabbeinu Tam, especially in light of what we saw in light of this Chuvah of the Marach or Zeruah. But that's the, that's the uh, way he sets up the question. So in Afghamina, should the bris... Sorry, is that the same as the Ramban? Is which the same as the Ramban? Is his interpretation there? You know, it depends how you read the Ramban that we in Torah Saddam. I was willing to say that the Ramban believes that Nistalka's Rihasa Me'al Aretz or Shkia Rishona for the Ramban's interpretation of Binatam could be before the disappearance of the solar disk. Right, the idea that the sun is still visible, but it's no longer shining down on the earth. Like your shadow would be like behind you, not beneath you in some way. Right. So it depends how you read the Ramban. He, uh, he of course, reads this whole Rabbeinu Tam tradition um, in the way it's understood today, that Shkia is an hour, that Shkia, sorry, that Sofa Shkia is an hour after the disappearance of the solar disk. All right. Okay. So Chuva. Uh, Romy, get us started here. What does he respond? So, Koldavar, Tzarech Lefarish, Vavar, Ma'i Kavanos. Kodem Koldavar. What? Kodem Koldavar. Kodem Koldavar. Yeah. Tzarech Lefarish, meaning first I have to explain what the sheets are. Like, what is what is our being Tom hold? Ma'i Kavanos HaChirim, Veleros Ma'i Benayi, Klamar Ben Shtei HaDeos. So, what a different... What a nice opening. Right? First, we got to explain what is the... What are the sheets and what's the difference between the sheets? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Excellent. So Dalcha ki ladad hakol shir bein hashmash kam halos choshu haimil kodim tiyashotesakochavim. Right. So he says it's uncontroversial that bein hashmashos is three quarters of a mil kodim tiyashotesakochavim. That is agreed upon by everybody, but we are in we're disagreements about when yeah when that when when that occurs right. So amnam. So notice here, he defines Shkia Rishona for Rabbeinu Tam as when he says, I, 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 I assume he means that the sun is no longer visible. At that point, that's my sense. That's a little. It actually is. It's not so clear from his language. It depends what 
אין עוזר רכס על הארץ, והשקיעה השנייה. השקיעה השנייה היא שגמרה ללכת כל עובי הרקיע ועדיין היא כנגד חלונה. אוקיי. So Rabbeinu Tam's Sof Shkia and Tchila Shkia correlate to the actual moments of the sun's exit and entr- entrance and exit of the path through the Rekia. Is the second thing visible? No. What do you mean? Meaning that second thing, second Shkia then isn't visible, no? Correct. You're not seeing anything right. happening. Right. Right. You're not seeing anything happening at that second Shkia on his view. Okay, and then of course, but you can see both Shkia Rishona and Shkia Shnia correlate to some actual event occurring. Right. Right. It's hard to see, but it, it's some event happening. Shkia Rishona. Shkia Rishona Adzor Shkia Shin is Mahalach Shosha Milin Revia. Let me just say something else, actually. Let me just add. You know that um, we observe the, the light of the sun about eight, Eight and eight and change minutes delayed from when it's actually shining right so sunset technically occurs eight and a half minutes uh before we see it disappearing that's because it takes the light so much time to travel from the location of the sun to us as if the speed of light is uh what do we say it is three times ten to the eighth meters per second. right uh takes time for light to get from the sun to us so this is very you know Benu Tom might be assuming that we're just trying to actually uh capture the moments of the Knisa and the Itzia of the Oveha Rekia okay okay uh go on Viza וזהו,בין השמאל,וזהו,בין 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 השמאל,וזהו
You know, it'd be really cool if uh, Banash Mashos correlates to the time differential between the light of the sun leaving the sun and it's and it's hitting us, which is actually not well. Maybe it was eight minutes. Okay, which is not crazy based on the Gemara Shurim by three quarters of a mil because we don't really know how long a mil is. Why is it, that compelling? What, like, what's what does that add? It's an inter interesting way of thinking about the indeterminacy. Like, the indeterminacy is just a function of the event occurring and our perception of the event. Well, that's that's. It's a very good explanation for why there should be a Vanash Mashos, basically. Right. Yeah. Ed, you could flesh out your thought. I mean, they don't have a theory of light <laughs> or velocity in that way. Um, Who? They, whoever would say that, Cheetah, oh, that it would happen to be whatever, eight minutes. Um, Wait, what's your issue? I mean, like, you have to wait till... Oh, it doesn't make like they don't have that knowledge. It's like not. You're saying Chazal don't have that knowledge? Yeah. Um, I guess it depends what you what that type of knowledge they had at some point. Um, like you don't think they knew that uh, light could take time to travel? Is that your? Didn't they have this yeah. view that you look into the stars and you're looking into the past? Or... I don't know. But either way, even if, even if you think that Chazal didn't have that conception, it doesn't mean it can't be true. No, there's we know there's this tradition of Ben Ashmashos, and we're trying to figure out why is there Ben Ashmashos. It's not a crazy interpretation to say that the reason why there's vagueness is because there's uncertainty whether you calculate the transition from when the astronomical event occurs in its location to when it's no longer visible to us. What even is the astronomical event that's occurring? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, the astronomical event is the relative angle of the sun to the horizon. Okay. That's just a function of how fast the sun moves, how fast the Earth is rotating. Okay. So when the sun is, you could say when the sun is zero degrees, that's when the astronomical event occurs. But then the light the, to the observer on Earth, there's going to be an eight and a half minute delay. I mean, I, I know there is a delay, but I don't, I don't see a reason why to even bring that into the discussion at all. Romy, do you want to respond to that? Sounds like you're, you see there might be a reason. Well... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It seems intuitive to me. To, I don't know. How, like, I don't have more of a thought than that. But it seems it is very nice, especially when we're talking about a few weeks ago. Like, why would you have a time of being ashmashos? Why? Why should there be this intermittent period of time? And it actually is true that there is a period of time that's actually somewhat in between. Because for our from our perspective, it is day, and from the objective perspective, it's not especially because we have no way of really determining exactly when that's going to be in advance. Um, yeah, to, to, net point about, to net point whether or not they had a theory for that and knew that, I don't 
I can't say. Obviously, I'm not. Right. Of course not. Why, why do we have to equivocate? Of course, they didn't have a theory of that. Like, there's no reason to say yes. Like, it's like. Just... At which point, Ned? At which point, what? At which point in Jewish history do you think they didn't have a theory for it? The same reason why Myram Alashkar is dealing with this problem now, because he's living in the 15-whatever, and because you know Copernicus and, and Kepler and all that is happening during his lifetime. So the same reason that he's dealing with a new astronomical model. So, like, there's no reason to... It's just, it's just it's silly. Well, I'll say two things in response, Ned. First of all, I guess it depends when. I mean, if you if you believe something along the lines of what the Ramban writes in the Hakdamat Perishal Torah and what the Rambam writes in Marnavuchim, that Moshe Rabbeinu was taught some true science, which I think if you think he had nevuah of like Memtesh Shari, B'chachma, there's no reason to believe that he wasn't taught some true science. Could be that that was like the original... Like uh, that was the original idea, and then it was, uh, you know, Nishtarvev Hadavar, Nishtabesh Loorecha, Shonim Vagolios. You think that's not possible, then? I think it's really just. It's just not. No, it's not. It's not possible. So you think the Ramban and the Rambam and uh, the Bita Levi are all wrong? Whatever the content of Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy is, we can leave it in that discussion, but the, the idea that that knowledge was somehow transmitted to the people and that that was, you know, Ravachat is, is, is just, no, but I'm not, they can't I'm not manage. Make, if, but if, if, I'm know, not if, making that second claim. I'm not making that second claim. Cause all you need for, to say my thing is that, yeah, at one point, this is the reason for Ben Ashmashos and then they're trying to figure out exactly why we have it and they're giving it the best interpretation according to the way they see the astronomical events. Uh, okay. I, I'm not going to... I think you should. It, it, that that gets into the that broader question about the content of, of uh, Torah and what we expect from it. I'm not... We, that, that's a conversation we've had. Uh, I'm just pointing out that if you go your way, then you're embracing the view that like Nevuas Moshe was given false scientific knowledge. Or no or, scientific knowledge. But is the other option that Moshe was given true scientific knowledge and then it was lost? Or like or he didn't give it to anyone else or something? What's the point of that? Point of what? Also- What's the point of how, like I- I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that he transmitted it to anyone, right? Assuming that that was part of the content of the revelation. Well, why? So, why do you care? What's the point of that? Mean? Like, who 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 needs that? Well, just because, why does the you know, Rambam... intellectualist? You need an intellectualist model of the world, so Moshe has to possibly comprehend it. Therefore, it must be content. It's just not. Uh, I don't. I don't know what you mean by intellectualist. But if by intellectualist you need, you mean that the propositions that Moshe was given were true. Then yeah, I think you want to say that the propositional no, knowledge that, 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 that Moshe was. The, the, I, I don't want to get into this. It's going to like distract us from the Maramashka. But the the point is that like the Navua itself is intellectual phenomenon that requires a certain cultivation of intellect, and therefore the content is inherently intellectualistic. Because otherwise, what do you need that for? Um, not true. I don't think the Ramban has that view of Navua. I don't think Rabito Levi has that view of Navua. Both of them seem to endorse some sort of view that these. 
some propositions of astronomy were given over to Moshe. That's You're saying that can't be true? I don't think it's relevant. It's certainly not relevant to, to the Maharashtra. It, it's not. That's right, not so, it's not what? It's just not relevant, meaning you can theorize about it, but it's not. It bears well, no, it, bear, it doesn't bear anything on, on interpretation of halacha. Uh, well, I was going to say one of two things. My first response to you is that I think it's relevant and that one could say that that is actually, there's reason There's reason to want to say that, There's. let me put it this way. The big, the main point in response to your point is I think that you want the halacha to correlate to true facts. It's a general general interpretive presumption that um, you don't want the halacha itself to correlate to false facts, and that's of course what the, that's that's central to the Maramalashkar's thesis and his rejection of Rabbeinu Tam. Now. When I say that you want the halacha to correlate to true facts, you could say that in one of two ways. You could package that into Nevuas Moshe Rabbeinu and say you, you want Nevuas Moshe to have contained some true knowledge in addition to just normative prescriptions. But even if you don't go there, I think you would say that you want the halacha in, a, in whatever form it takes, so put aside Nevoas Moshe, you want the halachic propositions to be grounded in things that are factually adequate. Sure, I agree to the second point, but okay. So one um, just so following, you, your sheets, following your own sheets, following your own sheets. One second. So one second. So if if you agree to the second thing, then you're trying to figure out what what is the basis for Ben Ashmashos. Now you might say, well, Ben Ashmashos is just because there's always vagueness as a transition between day and night. You could say there's been Ashmashos because we don't know what the determinant of day and night is, you know, whether it's lightness or the more agadol, you know, you could say a million things. One of the things that you could say in explaining the phenomenon of Ben Ashmashos is that there is some sort of gap between the occurrence of the solar events and the observation of the solar event. And that gap, which interestingly, it's it's just not far off, or it seems very close to the different shirim that the gemara itself is giving. That's all. So to me, that well, sounds like not, at least a viable. Right? We, we did that. We did that. To me, right? that sounds like it's a viable candidate for explaining Benash mashos. But go ahead, Ned. Okay. So first of all, we did the math, right? Three quarter mil is like what? Eighteen minutes. Well, so... that all the no no a mil is eighteen minutes according to some views, but it could range, it could go as low as, uh, um, you could look up the different views. Okay, but, that, but that, that's beside the point. It's not beside the, the point, because if you have a mill that's 12 minutes, um, you actually, three quarters of a mill is closer to, you know, nine minutes. Um, also, remember, there are different views in the Gemara, whether it's, uh, you know, is it, is it half a mil? Is it three quarters of a mil? So, so the numbers themselves actually are a bit fuzzy. So it's it's some range. Okay. B, I think the interpretive approach, meaning the idea that the constituents of, of you know our definitions, the various uh, 
th- those different uh, criteria and what's really happening in halacha is they're trying to um, determine the, the 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 timing. I think that makes a lot more sense as an interpretive, pra- like a question of interpretive, you know, practice than arguing for some sort of built-in indeterminacy that you know Heisenberg would be proud of. It, it, it's not. It, it makes more sense just to argue that what Chazal are doing is they have these. You have a question about what they what's day and night. And you have to figure out what day and night is. The very criteria are are you know indeterminate. Therefore, we have this uh, big period. I think that that makes a lot more sense than arguing for some sort of you know scientific well, basis for that. Well, everything you just said is consistent with what I said. Meaning they have these various criteria. One criteria is the solar event. The other criteria is the observation of the solar event. And uh, I don't think Ash- they have that distinction available to them. So that's it, it, absurd. I think that's the silliest thing you've said all morning. I think that they you think that one second you think one second one second you think that one second you think that you need some modern scientific understanding to have the conceptual distinction between the occurrence of event and the observation of an event for light. Yeah. Why? Why? Why do you think that in the times of the they assumed that light was a constant? Why do they think, or they think that light was instantaneous? What do you know about their understanding of light, Ned? I know what, like the history of science about. Yeah, what does the history about... of science say about what the uh, what in Babylonia in the times of the Gemara or in the times of the Mishnah? What they thought about how what, fast light. What is what what is the Kiddush of like you know twentieth century physics about light? If everything was already known, it's just it's just. Oh, so this this is your this is your drusha. You're saying what's the big deal of twentieth century physics if there was some appreciation that it could take time, it could take light time to travel. That that's what this argument is based on. I'm not trying to read. Mo- I have no interest in reading modern physics into the Talmud. I'm not a halachic imperialist. I don't need that. That's, but that's not what part you're of doing. My... That's what you're doing. No, what I'm doing, I'm saying, is like here's something we know. We know that there's a gap between the occurrence of the event and the observation of the event. And in fact, we know that it's about eight minutes, nine minutes. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Now I'm saying, oh wow, look, there are views in the Gemara that think that Bein Hashmashos. It's about eight or nine, ten, ten minutes, somewhere. In, maybe they thought it took light eighteen minutes. Maybe they thought it took twelve minutes. I'm just saying that's a viable possibility of an explanation for why there is this thing of Ben Ashmashos. Well, but you don't know it. Just an adds point. Do, do you don't think it's do you think it's relevant? Like, let's say you knew for sure that they didn't know that. Would that be a problem for you? No, no, because well, I, I think why? Like, how, what's your response to that point? Just yeah. No, the response is very simple. The response is that the halacha was given this way. And then they forgot the reason and they just promulgated a shita that no, they don't actually remember. No, they didn't have no, the reason. No, Ned, there's no room for your polemics here. The My explanation is that actually it's it's a little more sophisticated, Ned, than just like forgetting and remembering. It's uh, it's like you would say about the Rambam, like the Rambam would say for why the Torah speaks in anthropomorphic language. It has to be given in a way that is interpretable according to the understanding of the world of the human mind at the time of Maimar Harsinai. But that doesn't mean that its true meaning isn't consistent with how the world actually is to a more refined and educated mind that admittedly people in that generation couldn't access and couldn't access, let's say, until the 20th century. If I were to grant Romy's point about the you know, that let's say we knew for sure they, they didn't know that there could be a time delay between 
that that light took time to travel. That's all I'm saying. And to me, that's a very plot. That's my second approach, right? The point is that like the idea that you would believe or it's, it's a virtue of, of halachic interpretation that the halacha, if there's a plausible correlation out there, that the halacha should correspond to true facts. That's my that's my response, Ned. But that'd be totally consistent with even Nevuas Moshe Rabbeinu not containing that the explanation that Ben Hashemashos has to do with the the time it takes light to travel, and that the Tanaim didn't know that, and the Amoraim didn't know that, and the Rishonim didn't know that. But the halacha could be set up so that um, you could arrive at that. Ex- it's, it's like it's a basic. It's like a very I don't want to say a rough cookie in type view because I eschew those categories. But the idea is that, uh, yeah, the halacha is given with, so that our our understanding of it could deepen and become truer and more correct over over time. I, I, I maybe I just don't think that the three quarter mil or the, that that that's just that very category. I think is itself uh, a matter of interpretation. It's not something that they are receiving. There's no that's the level of specificity that you're 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 like granting in the determination of these things. Um, I think is it, it just it, it makes more sense to me to say that you know there's day there's night and then they have to figure it out and one of the products of that inquiry is is this 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 uh, category of Vinash Mashot that's not defined or connected to anything in any specific way it's just a it's a bug. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! Uh, the Marama Lashkar's whole thesis in Berbinu Tam. Is that Bein Hashemashos correlates to the solar, the occurrence of the solar event of the sun going Nichnas Oveirakia and the sun exiting the Oveirakia, right? That so actually, the Maramalashkar's assumption is that no, what, determin- what I mean by what I what I mean is what I mean is that there is a indeterminacy as to the which. There's some indeterminacy about the event that's ha- the event that's relevant towards our definition, and I agree for you. I agree that that would be consistent with what you're trying to argue. But I'm saying that your um, your I guess uh, I, I don't know what to say like object or objects of it that you're using are 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 too specific. The idea, the occurrence of the event, and the yeah, that's too specific. Occurrence. That's too specific. I think that like. That that's not a at that point that's not a like criteria that's a already you know, some 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 sort of definition. What? It's already some sort of definition. It's not a criteria. That that's not a that's not something. That's not that's not uh, you know an ingredient in the in the analysis. That's a conclusion. I don't see that. I'm not maybe say more about that distinction because I don't really understand. I don't. I don't. I'm not, I don't follow the distinction you're drawing. I see it. I see it as just like determinants, right? Is yes, it, I, I don't uh, think. Meaning, I don't think it's determinant. I just think that that's it. I just don't think it's determinant. I think that's too specific of a determinant. You're saying that there's no way. This is your view. There's no way that the distinction between the occurrence of the event and the appearance of the event could be a basis for Benash Mashos. I, I don't see a reason to say it. Yeah, you, you don't see or you don't see how it could be a candidate. For... No, no, I, 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 I see. I understand your theory. I, I understand it, but I, I don't think it's compelling. And the reason is, well, you have to prove to me why it is compelling. 
Okay. I, I don't you see a reason. Being, it's it's coherent, but I, I don't see a reason to to say it. Uh huh. Okay, so we could we could hold off if you see so you, you want to you want to see like a reshown who says it. That's kind of what. If you see if you see a medieval somebody who lived in the twelve hundreds who says it, then then it'll be. I mean, yeah. Right. If we're trying to interpret halacha, then we should try to we should try to see if that's a fact that to take into consideration. Right? Yeah, but but what you just said is irrelevant to the discussion because if we are trying to interpret halacha, if you're just trying to interpret medieval texts. Then I think I we're trying why, to get at. I see, I see why conception. seeing it in a medieval text would matter, but we're trying to get at Rabino Tom's conception. We're trying to get at these things. Right? We have to see. If well, not Rabino Tom. We're yeah. trying to get at. We're trying to get at an explanation for Ben Ashmashos, for Hagdaras Lila. Okay, okay, sure. But I, I think that those things are constituted by their the conceptions of the Rishonim, so that it's limited to their their. Okay, so this is, this is a deeper point. Why do you think they're constituted you. by the discussions of the Rishonim? Why why do the Rishonim exhaust the constitution of halacha? Well, if we're trying to understand their conceptual, so like we shouldn't it, look it's at the within their conceptual we're, framework, and we well, might why, have a why are you limited? Framework. Why are you limited to their? So like we shouldn't read the Gra because he's not a Rishon. No, we're not. But I'm saying if we're trying to understand the Rabino Tam, or we're trying to understand Rabbi Huda, then we should work within their conceptual system. We shouldn't try to. We shouldn't try to import our own. Right, but we're not. We're not just trying to understand Rabbi Huda and Rabino Tam. We're trying to understand Halacha. We're trying to understand. Yeah, but Halacha is built by those Shita. It's built by those shitos. Yeah, it's built on their interpretations. No, I think it's partially informed by their shitos, but it's not fully exhausted by their shitos. Yeah, so I, I don't have any other data available to me beyond that. I, I don't. I don't see it. Well, you're just conflating now the question of data available with the metaphysical constitution of halacha. Well, I'm not whether or not it. you have, whether or not you may not have Yushami and Kachim available to you, but it doesn't mean that it's not a partial determinant of halacha. So. Um, I think it is. I think it does mean that. Uh, Otherwise, you're just importing. You know, which factors will, 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 will are in play here? You need some sort of. Does anybody else have anything to say on this? Yeah, isn't it a determinant of halacha only if it can act like exists to determine halacha? Like just to the kachim point. Well, Lishami. it exists. The question is, does it? Uh, I mean, I'm, Lishami and kachim is a silly example, but. It no, exists, no, I know. I, I mean, to the point, like the idea that, like, I, I feel like you're making the opposite point a few weeks ago when you're making the tide of the sausage. Like, the idea that you are able to that people pask in that way because they can see the shita and make the decision is relevant to the evolution of halacha because uh, precedent or minhag or whatever is is important to the. That's really what I meant earlier about, about relevance. Why wrote, the contents of Nefuat Moshe Rabbeinu is not relevant to halachic jurisprudence. What matters is what's taken up <laughs> by the system. That's a crazy thing to say, Ned. That's so no, crazy. No, it, it, I mean, it's a funny way of saying it. It's a funny way of saying it. No, it's a wrong way of saying it. I mean, to say that Nefuat Moshe Rabbeinu is not relevant to determining halacha is, I think it's a steer me obey. So. I, I, I think... I think I think that's one of the most important things. Potential hidden knowledge there that wasn't necessarily available to like. I just think it's not relevant. It's just there are multiple levels of you know. Let's let's argue for a a a, some sort of maximalist interpretation of of Nuad Moshe. Right? He has everything. That doesn't mean that that has anything to bear on 
not, that doesn't mean that every element of that nevua is is relevant to the interpretation of halacha, because halacha doesn't have to. That's engage. okay, but it's also true that things that that Moshe might have known something, or and and how, therefore halacha might have been established a certain way, without having all the information of how like. Without then explain him. Sure, explain. but then you have to show that that's a fact. You have to show that that's actually picked up by the halacha. Right? I'm saying not I'll just, everything. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just respond to the, this is a broader discussion that we could have some other time. I'll just respond to the narrow point that I think you're wrong when you say that the formulations of the rishonim exhaust the logical space of halacha. I think that's uh, obviously false. I think that if the Graz Mechadesh something based off his interpretation of halacha, that's totally viable as a candidate for halachic interpretation. I don't think there's anything special about living in the period of 900 to 1350 that means that the, the halacha is fossilized you know, from the words of people who uttered sentences in that temporal period. Uh, I think the halacha is determined by many types of things. One of them being the vuas Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, the other, th- the other thing is the tradition of Torah Shabal Peh. Uh, the other is Torah Shabbat Sav. The other is scientific uh, scientific facts. Uh, the other is practice of the kahila. Uh, the other is good theories of explanation. So I I don't I don't share your parochial view about the halacha as just the propositional content of what uh, certain learned scholars uttered or wrote within some temporal slice of medieval history. I mean I would agree that the gra is included. That's not because of his time period or because I would be inclu- expanding which time period I find relevant. It's because there's some sort of continuity between his interpretation and the earlier interpretation. Some and, type of continuity. Great. <laughs> okay. But so that continuity out. is... So now you got to figure out what's the standard for that continuity. Sure. Yeah, that's an interesting question. But the... the I think so you how, do you know, show... how do you know that the observational versus occurrence, solar occurrence distinction, violates the rule of continuity. Well, that's your job, right? You have to show that that's a relevant factor, right? That's somehow continuous. Okay, but that's what's at issue here. So that's really what's at issue. None of your nonsense about uh, just studying the medieval Rishonim. No, but my point is that you have to show from within the system that that's a kind of factor that's close enough to that way, the the halakhic way of thinking that would be relevant. Okay, so that's, that's that's just homework. Right, so that's, okay. that's that's what has to be done, right? That's the because otherwise you're just importing whatever factor you want, and then you know it's no better than you know something that you'd find at the farm sale in the back there where nobody wants to look about you know Torah and science. It's just not. So actually, I would say two things to that. Number one, I would say okay, so you're just saying you got to find the you got to find to show this observational occurrence, this observation versus occurrence thing is relevant, right? Yes. And I'm a little puzzled why you think that if the Gra said it versus somebody in the 21st century uh, said it, why? Like, like I, like I don't know why you think Rabbeinu Tam's speculation here based off the Rakia is any different than what you're calling the thing in the back of the Svarim sale, which is precisely what the Maram Alashkar is saying, right? The Maram Alashkar is saying is like, Rabbeinu Tam, you're just 
you're just interpreting Benashmashos based off the the cosmology that you believe in. So so you're basically saying you agree with the Maramalashkar that Rabbeinu Tam is just as much uh should be dismissed as casually as the stuff in the back of the storm cell. Because where's Rabbeinu Tam getting it from, Ned? Um I, I don't think he can be dismissed as easily. I think that's an interesting question because I think that, you know, halachic practice does not always correspond to scientific reality. So the existence of the sheet, uh, the existence of the shita is its own way. That's what we said uh, we were talking about. Why aren't you, why aren't you subjecting Rabbeinu Tam to the same scrutiny that you're subjecting my, my thing, which is Rabbeinu Tam. I have no reason to even look at your shita. If you haven't given me a reason for believing that it's the Ove, like when the sun enters the Ove or Because Ove the time has material, right? He, he, he is dealing, he has earlier precedent for, for that kind of way of thinking. Does he? Where where have you seen him ground the Ove Rekia? He has precedent for believing that that metaphysic, that that physics is true. But where do you see any suggestion that Trilashkia, Sofshkia should correlate to uh, that cosmology? That's it. Meaning, there's always going to be a, a, a creative step, right? That, but the, the idea is that. Well, well, well. One second. Your point is that the creative step is inadmissible unless you've somehow been compelled that it's you've shown the no. The obviously, I think thing. that there is creativity in halacha. You're not just you know doing math equations and trying to figure out how everything is consistent with everything else. I'm saying that there is some sort of continuity that needs to be demonstrated. Um, Did Arbenatam demonstrate that? I'm just curious. I think so. Yeah. How did he do that? By, you know, looking at the Gemara and Shabbos about, you know, the different astro- astro- astronomy. And it, it's very clear that he's working within a given Tom, system. Rabbeinu Tam, I posit that Rabbeinu Tam did not say anything better in support of his position than I said in support of my kind of off-the-cuff speculation. Like, gee... Uh, we know there's about like you know nine minutes uh, gap between the solar occurrence and the observation of the thing. Wouldn't that be interesting if that correlates to to Benashmashos? And you're like, wow, you, you can't. It, it's modern science. It's inadmissible in a theory of halacha. And like, you have to like give me ten rayos muhrachos to even make me like make my neurons move to even think about that. We're here. Rabbeinu Tam is selling you. He's selling you this whole kind of theory of Trilashkia and Sofshkia, which is nowhere in the Gemara. He's trying to be Miyasheva Vastira. Uh, he's trying to be Miyasheva Vastira that most Rishonim think is not a not an issue. He's Miyasheva in a way that corresponds to this dubious uh, cosmological, astronomical occurrence. And you're you're fully on board with that. He's given you no reason to believe that that astron- astronomical conception is true. He's given you no reason to believe that the Tanayim are endorsing that astronomical conception. And you're running with it as doctrinal halacha. I'm not running with doctrinal halacha. I mean, I think it's part of, I think it's, it's very, I, do you think it's part of halacha? This is a broader, this is a broader discussion already. No, but that, no, no, that's the point, right? If you think it's part of halacha, then the question is, why do you think that's part of halacha versus something else, right? So the question is, so that point you're saying, because it's been you know, somehow absorbed by the halacha system over time, because it's, it's been given weight by, 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 you know, suck him or whatever. So, well, right yeah. now, I'm just happy to say it's, uh, you know, here's a very serious person who made a suggestion about how to reconcile the sugyas. Uh, 
and we're trying to figure out whether it's true. Okay, I, I think that it's uncontroversial to argue that it's part of halacha. Anybody else, you know, I don't know. Does that sound, does that make sense? I think it's, uh, if you want to say that it's part of the corpus of the interpretation of halacha, that's... Uh... You added a couple of words between part and halacha there. But well, the Marama Lashkar is going to argue that it's not good halacha. If that's we're okay, that I mean that's his, that's his view. I think that history has has proven him wrong. I mean, I don't know that history has proven whether it's. Uh, um, I guess like how you know people keep Rabbeinu Tam. That that means it's part of halacha. Okay, so that means like Yeshu was God because people abide by Christianity. Well, I don't I know. That, that's where you know. Is, uh, I just, uh, you're getting into you're you're getting into kind of controversial. Uh, I don't think I, what I'm saying is controversial. I think that saying arguing that Rabbeinu Tamshit is part of halacha is not a controversial proposition. Well, it just depends what you mean. What you know, what you mean. If if by that you mean that uh, like something along the lines that belief in the Trinity is uh, Christian doctrine, then yes, I guess if you mean that something in some sociological sense like that, then. No, That's I think it's, you know, if we look at the content of halacha and some sort of, you know, there's some sort of cloud with, with the content of halacha, Rebbeinu Tam Shita is, is there and, you know, bouncing around and it's very happy to be there. All right, Richard, you have a hand, you, Richard's been had, had a patient hand for some yeah, time. Let's, let's it went on and off. Let's that. hear what he has to say. I actually zoned out like five minutes ago. I'm really sorry. Um, but two things. First of all, I think we'd really benefit from like uh, fundamentals of halacha here. Because that stuff keeps coming up. Like maybe like uh, every now and then we could just have like a, a hashkafa share about that. So it's sure. like a really recurring theme. Um, the other thing is that the benefit, I mean, one of the benefits of um, our reading of Sefer Hayashar is that it actually isn't grounded in cosmology as much. It's more based on just what we observe, right? And I think that probably that's a, a really standard view of what Ben Hashmashos actually is, that the whole day, the sky looks one way. The whole night, the sky looks, you know, a different way. And then in between, you have this period of red and grayish silver. It, it's weird. You don't know, like, exactly what that is. That's an observable thing that's immediately relevant to us, right? So I think what can be said for Ned is that, like, like why when you have that model of Benashmashos, which is, like, really simple and just really intuitive, would you shift over to the difference between um, when the sun moves and when we see the light, right? Like, that's, that's obviously more bold than to take the, the simpler approach that seems to be how everyone actually reads it. Like, why, sh I mean, Maharam Alashkar is upset about Rabbeinu Tam pitting his shita on a mistaken cosmology, but he's not actually doing that. So, like, why, why even bother with that whole line of thinking? Or, or rather, what's, I know you kind of said this, like answered this already, but what's the benefit of dealing with these astronomical phenomena instead of um, just what's observable to us? Right. So let me, let me uh, put it this way. So I agree on the, it's good, it'll be good to talk some of the theory of halacha stuff and flesh that out because that is very important. Um, I agree with what you're saying that there are shitos that are content with, um, you know, just viewing everything from an observational perspective, right? But I don't know why you say so confidently that that's like the halachic consensus here. It seems to me that there are many Rishonim who are focusing on the occurrence of the actual events. For example, um, for example, 
the Marama Lashkar's interpretation of Rabbeinu Tam is clearly about the occurrence of these events, right? I think you would agree with that, Richard. It's like when the sun is yeah. nichnas berik, be, you know, ove harakia, and when it's yotze, right? That's that's one example. Do you agree with that, Richard? I, I agree with that, like that interpretation of Rabbeinu Tam, but I, it's also but let's Rabinu just take Tam. it as the shita, the maralamalashkar bedas Rabbeinu Tam for a second. Right? I don't know why you would yeah. dismiss the maralamalashkar as a as a baldea. And I don't know how they came to read Rabbeinu Tam the way they did. But that's the whole point is as Rabbeinu Tam Shita, as interpreted by the Chachmei Sfard, makes that leap to... um, Right, but I think we're just trying trying to speculate about... We're trying to figure out the, the logical, the space of viable candidates for Shkia, for Lila... Right, so there are. It seems to me like the Marmalashkar believes that it correlates to these events that occur, right? Like the the occurrence of this. It's critical to his argument that the cosmo, like that, it, the occurrence of the cosmology is the kovea. And let me let me add more to to. to uh, I do believe. Let's take for example. Um, let's take for example the. Uh, let me wait, let, let me let me stay with the Marmalashkar for a second. Uh, I do believe that you have here a distinction between the occurrence and the observation of the occurrence. Uh, arguably, it's not cl- it's not so clear to me. But look, he says. Um, when he talks about. Um, the Hagdara of Shkia Shnia, Vashkia Shnia, Misha Misha Gumra Lalechas Kol Ove Harekia, Vadayin He Keneged Chalona, Shelo Olsa Alakipa. So the question is, what explains the Benashmashos from when the sun is uh, finishing traveling through the Rekia and it, it's still Keneged the Chalon? Is that all just a, an astronomical event? Uh, yeah, like, I think so. Right. So I'm saying you see that it's not true for... Certainly certainly the Maramalashkar believes that it's uh, about the occurrence and less about the observation of the occurrence. Right, Richard? Um, I I think so. I just... Like, it seems to be that, that that's because of this this faulty reading. I mean, what what about that? Like, what do you do with the fact that everybody read Rabbeinu Tam wrong? Like, how do you, um, how do we, how, how are you supposed to treat that, like, halakhically? Uh, again, that, I think that relates to that Hashkafic question. It's not really a Hashkafic question. I, I think it's just as much, it's like a, just a basic question of halakha, how you deal with that. But I, um... You know, yesh yesh, if you're like Ned, that everything is just sociological and all you really care about is how communities practice and what most people think or what they're doing, then, okay, maybe it doesn't matter. But I, I personally think that truth does matter for being Kovei HaLacha, especially the truth of Rabbeinu Tam's Shita. Uh, so I think that it matters significantly. I think it matters significantly. Yeah, so I'm saying if even Rabbeinu Tam himself 
didn't necessarily equate. Look, there is there in Horios there is a con, there is a concept of a toast, <laughs> right? It's the uh, so go ahead. Okay. No, I was saying like even if Rabbeinu Tam himself didn't necessarily equate these um the uh you know the the, the halakhic categories with the astronomical phenomena like what what why would we continue to uh to pursue that path I guess. Well, that's just the equivalent of the Maramalashkar saying, if it's false, if it's scientifically false, why would you continue to to pursue that path? No, but I'm saying, isn't there isn't there an appeal in like um, making halacha relative to what we observe and what goes on here on Earth, rather than some unknowable, or, or I mean, at least historically unknowable astronomical categories? Okay, so it's like or... Richard. I want to. This is the other point I was going to make to you. If you remember the sheet of the Urayim, which we saw. I think the Urayim is an unequivocal shita that is grounded in the occurrence of the phenomena, not in the observation of it. Remember, he thinks that Yitzias HaKuchavim is when they're maschilim lotzeis, even though their Yitzia is not observable. His whole point is that it's a mistake to define Seis HaKuchavim based off observation. It's when they're maschilim lotzeis limshol balayla. That's the Hagdara of Laila. Right? Doesn't it just tie that to Shkia? Like that is the same thing as Shkia. You can still, you, it's true, you can't observe Seisako Chavim, but you can observe Shkia and you, and you know. I mean, but, but the thing that's Koveya for him is actually not Shkia Sachama because Shkia Sachama is not the Koveya of Laila. It's actually the Kochavim Lemem Shelas Laila. So he agrees that conceptually, it's, he, he's not a Ravon guy. The Ravon is willing to say not everybody holds of Seisako Chavim. He believes from the Pasuk and Nehemiah that Tzayis HaKochavim is Kaveh Laila, not Shkia Sachama. He happens right, to believe they're, they're simultaneous. Okay, yeah, sure. So I just think that that's an example of he's saying Laila is Yitzia HaKochavim when they're Maschilim Lotzeis. Okay, fine, fine. So isn't that an example of a non-observational theory? It's it's when they're he thinks it's when they're actually entering into the thickness of the rikia lutzes balayla, even though we yeah. can't observe it for some time. Very true. Right, so I think that's a clear example where you have this, uh, where you have this distinction, or somebody grounding it on the objective occurrence of the phenomena. You'll see, by the way, when we get to more contemporary postgim, this discussion of observational versus occurrence is very important. Uh, obviously, Yom HaMu'unon is just a clear-cut example where it's not observable, uh, but you believe it's occurring, so you have to say something about that anyway. The idea of the sun disappearing between mountains, behind mountains, even though it's not uh, even though it's not at sea level as a Shaila. Um, pretty much all the contemporary postgame are aware that because of the refraction of light through the atmosphere, we actually see the sun for two minutes after it has dipped below the horizon. Do you guys see that when I sent that out on the on the sheer WhatsApp? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? There's How exactly is that different than the fact that we see it for eight and a half minutes? Like we see the light eight and a half minutes late. Yeah, eight and a half minutes later is because the rays of the light take time to travel from the sun. That's why the this because the distance of the earth to the sun. That's the so that, that has to do with the time it takes light to travel. So that's why everything is is eight and a half minutes delayed. Um 
the the optical effect of the light bending through the atmosphere is like when you put a spoon in water and it looks like the spoon is bent in the water. Uh, so that's the idea. The atmosphere bends the rays of light. And so you see the light after it's actually zero degrees beneath the horizon for another two minutes or so. Because what's really happening, it's like looking through a mirror where it's, uh, or like, you know, bending the rays. Uh, it's actually, it's an interesting question whether, so should Shkia be determined by the observation or like when the sun actually, you know, whatever that means, actually. Uh, so uh, those types of things, Richard, do force like important questions about observational versus the actual occurrence. Um, All right. Yeah. So I think I think like I, I we could spend more time, especially since Ned is getting worked up about it, to trace that distinction as a legitimate halachic distinction that exists out there. Okay, let's spend uh, uh, some time going through the rest of the uh, Maramalashka. Romy, I think you're up, right? Romy. All right, Richard, why don't you take over for Romy if we don't if we don't have him? Okay. The Aduahu who muscular her what is it? Muscal Rishon. Muscal? Muscal Rishon, yeah. Muscal, okay, fine. The Dvarim Elo Ainlahem. It's a it's a first principle. It's uh it's okay. it's known. The Dvarim Elo Ainlahem Shumutsius ki im the das Chachme Yisrael, she sovrim Gilgal Kavua, Umazalos, Chosrin, Vishahashemesh, Mahalechas Balaila Achre Hakipa. Uh, the Alkain, Srikalaleches Kola Oviarikia, no, Nochach, Halona, Kadela Alos Lamala Algabi Akipa Keda Amran. Okay. Oh, yeah. So his point is like this uh, he just says this, uh, the Gemarim Psachim quotes Machlokas between the Chachmi Israel and the Chachmi Musa Olam about where does the sun go at night? The Chachmi Musa Olam say it goes beneath the earth. And the Chachmi Israel said that no, it, it actually goes through this Halon, goes through this passageway. And then it actually travels above the rakia. The idea is that the rakia is this thick thing that you can see through, and it travels northeast, back over this dome, to then appear again on the. And then it goes through the chalon, you know, from Alosa Shachar until Neitzachama, uh, in the east, and it travels underneath the rakia during the day from east to west, and it does the same trip back at night, just like Richard sent out in that uh, diagram. So he's saying that the whole sheet of this is a very important point because you see the Maramalashkar rejects Ned's worldview. The Maramalashkar's point is that the sheet of Rabbeinu Tam is halachically false because it's based on a scientific error, on a erroneous understanding of the facts, right? Uh, uh, or at least it's factual. And he says, Right. Uh, 
business story. He says, Rabbeinu Tam, let me say something a little more about this. For three and a quarter mil, it's day, even though the sun is no longer observational, observable. Now, I actually think this is a great example where he's, this just drives home the point that he believes the crux of Rabin Tam Shita is that it's about the occurrence of the astronomical phenomena, not about the, not their observation. Richard, do you agree with that? Because the whole point is the sun is gone. That's Shkia Rishona, which is halakhically insignificant, according to him. But the Hagdar of Yom depends on the actual movement of the sun behind the behind the Rikia. When it when it finishes traveling, even though that's not observable ki on Earth. Ned, you agree? I can't hear you, Ned. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you agree that Rabbeinu, his reading of Rabbeinu Tam is that it doesn't depend on observation at all, right? Right. Okay. Um, so I think even, Ned, you should agree that this observation versus occurrence distinction is a, a, a distinction that the halacha has with respect to the Hagdara of Zmanim. I understand that we haven't yet seen anybody say that the Ben Ashmashos things depends on observation versus occurrence, but you do see that there is a machlokas about the relevance of observation versus occurrence with respect to Agdaras Lila. Would you agree to that, Ned? Yeah, but you know that distinction kind of falls away if you're on adopt like what we know now. Okay, so one second. Uh, I guess on your view that shouldn't matter because you know whether it's whether it's true or not. Um, is less significant than whether the shita has been practiced and adopted. So, yeah, right. So that means you should like the you sh- for you the fact that the the science is is false doesn't change its halachic uh, force. Kiuza, this is a lice question. It's not a lice question, Ned. It's it's a question of whether you think that the the halacha should still be determined by a geocentric. Uh... It's a, it's the lice question, right? If you believe in spontaneous generation, then lice you can kill on Shabbos. If you don't think that, then then it's still usher. Right? Um, I'm a little bear on bear on you know. I'm status. frustrated by your halachic simplicity today. Um, <laughs> I, I think that you could think that these things bear on the halachic merit uh, of a position without thinking that they're decisive in and of themselves. But maybe this maybe this is why Richard's saying we need a, a separate discussion of you know the the halachic you know how these what we mean. By yeah, yeah, but then but what, what does that look like? Then you're just going to have like you're going to assign different weights to different things and. It's not very, you know, it's not very quantifiable. So either it has weight or it doesn't. That's my point. Meaning whether or not that plays well, into whether it's you're you're just saying it has to be decisive or not decisive. I I, I just think it mean I well, utter I fully reject that kind of binary view that either the science is kaveh halacha or it's not kaveh halacha. I think the science can bear I mean, everything on the else is equal. Every all else equal. 
that no no because like you have to figure out is, is it a good interpretation of the makoros is it a good interpretation if all of... else is equal if all else is equal if you know the makoro can go either way everything else can go either way and, and by that you mean that all the weights aggregated are in equipoise right now yes can ashita be uh determined by this by the scientific facts yeah of course course so i think that, that that's a muckle guess i think that it could be the case that it doesn't matter and lice are you can still kill ice on travis but that that's just a way of saying that the weights are not in equipoise that's what you're saying no no no. or, saying, or you no, need no, no, some no, sort no, of no, threshold no, 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 cut no, off. Meaning there, there's a way of saying well, it, i agree with Richard. Let's, let's bracket this discussion from we have a separate discussion about this let's let's uh let's stay focused here a little bit for the maramalashka at least in the time that we have remaining so go ahead richard i'm nam sharam farshim so he's trying to point out all these we shown him, including the Ram and the Mora, all all agree. He says the Gonim uh, that the Chachmi Umasa Olam are wrong. Which, by the way, that has textual support in the Gemara in Psachim. That the Chachmi Israel are wrong. The Chachmi Umasa Olam are correct. That the Galgal is Choser and the Mazalos are Kvuim, meaning it's the earth that's that's moving, not the Mazalos, not the constellations. Right. So his point is that uh, um, is that the it, once you take the view of the Chachmi Umos Olam, which he's saying there's strong halachic precedent for, you don't need to postulate the thickness, this thick rakia with a chalon for the sun to travel through, and then it's on the other side of the dome during the night. Uh, so the whole astronomy of Rabbeinu Tam is false, according to the Gonim and the Rambam and the, what he calls the Shar Mefarshim and the Mechabrim. Okay. Why? Kia Galgal. Right, so this is kind of the astronomy that I think we believe is correct, that um, it's the sun that's just dipping beneath the earth. And when we view Shkia, that's what's happening. It's the sun disappearing beneath the horizon, not tunneling through the width of the Rikia to travel above it. Okay. Yeah, so he's, he's saying it's the two-thirds of a degree. Oh. Um, meaning the sun itself, the, the height of the sun is just two-thirds of a degree, which is just basically like 40 seconds for the sun itself to set from when the moment of the solar disk hits the horizon to when the top of the solar disk hits the horizon. Okay. Yeah, meaning it's just, it's just an observational thing. It's so clear this is what's happening. Like, I think, Richard, you made this point earlier, right? Like, you don't see the sun moving backwards, 
right? It's not like you see the whole sun and then it moves backwards away from you. You see the sun disappearing beneath the horizon. That's what they're saying. It's a davar hanira lechush that you can't be makhesh. It's it's a it's an observational thing that is palpable. Hilkach. Hilkach ledivrehem shal elo mishetishka kol hagola betiskasa min ha'ayin ad ses shlosha kochavim hu shlosha revi'imil. Right, so once we know the scientific facts that it's the sun dipping beneath the horizon, then uh, there's no reason to postulate shkia rishona, shkia shnia. Uh, just say it's mishatishka kol agula v'tiskasem in ayin. That's shkia when the whole solar disk is covered by the horizon, and it's uh, three quarters of a mil from there. That's benash mashos. Okay. Oh, oh. One second. Um, okay, he says. Uh, you know, we know that Rabbeinu Tam is motivated by the steer between the sugyas, right? Uh, and it's it's the sugim psachim that motivates Rabbeinu Tam to say his his theory. Uh, he says, but if you look at the sugya, you'll see that the Rabbeinu Tam, that the other Rishonim have different ways of explaining the sugyas. So let's see what he says here. Yeah, actually, hold off one second. Um, here. Right. So this is, uh, you see, this is a quote of Shuragon and Rabbeinu Haigon. We'll look a little more closely at their shita, but the point is, is that they believe that we've rejected the astronomy of the Chachmei Yisrael, which is ever Shachush Machisho, We've conceded to the astronomy of the Chachmei Umas Olam in that debate in the Gemara Sachim, and therefore Rabbeinu Tam's view, which is grounded in the erroneous perspective of the Chachmei Yisrael, that view should be thrown out with the erroneous factual assumptions that underlie it. Okay. Now I just want to point out this uh, this tshuva the Maramalashkar, in addition to its relevance for, of course, the Zmanishkia. It's just a full-throttled endorsement of the relevance of the facts being correct as a condition for the legitimacy of the shita. Right? He's not with Ned. He's not with Ned's group that says, oh, you know, the, the halacha is not, uh, you know, the halacha is orthogonal to the science or to the facts. And it's... Uh, there's epistemological pluralism, and all we're trying to do here is do some weird, you know, some sui generis halachic enterprise of determining the law. 
and that has no bearing whatsoever or it's not affected whatsoever by the by the facts of the of the science. What Ram Alashkar is saying is that the whole shita of Rabbeinu Tam gets thrown out as the as the astronomy is proven to be erroneous. Is it not like what Ned was saying? Is that not the light's point? Ned's point, Ned's earlier point about the uh, uh, the shita is the shita, regardless of whether it correlates. So why, why would you saddle the halacha with the burden of corresponding to facts? Ned, is that wasn't that what the point you were making at the beginning? In a way. So I think you um, see the, the now you might see the Maramalashkar is a shitas yachid and who's the Maramalashkar? You know we could talk more about who he is, but you can just see at least in his reasoning, uh, this is well we'll we'll, t- we'll have to look more carefully at this quotation of the Gon and what were what's this report from Rav Shiragon and Rav Haigon and their view about the Gemara because they're uh, seem very invested in this. Uh, look what he writes: V'chol zeh kushiel l'rabenu tam. Right, so Shita is grounded in the Shita of the Chachm Yisrael, and therefore Rabbi Nutam quotes Shita Rabbi Yehuda Lalocha. Uh, but Vihine Shachach Rabbi Nutam forgot. And once the Chachm Yisrael were moda, based off the Maskanag Marim Sachem, uh, a Shita that's based on that view is no longer uh, no longer legitimate. Yeah, but that, that that's a... not that's not about reality. That's about the shitas playing out. What's that? That's not about the reality, right? That's because that's because the you know why is it why does it matter if they're moda or not moda, right? If it's right, it's right. It's wrong, it's wrong. Who cares who's moda the what? So if 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 they have to be moda, then that means that what's there's something else going on here. It's well, not so just... I, I think I think you have to. Um... You have to read this uh, tshuva just carefully, just to see what what work is this Hodu Chachme Yisrael to Umos Olam doing. You could read it the way you're reading it, Ned, which is saying that that's like a determination of halacha that halachically were moda, and that's what makes that's what makes the Marmalashkar's argument tick. Or he's just saying that the Chachme Yisrael agreed to they just they just they say yeah we were disproven. Uh, and he's just saying that's just evidence uh, for how wrong the sheet of the Chachme Yisrael was. Uh, that even even the Maskanas and Gemara seems to be at their motive, but that's not actually doing the halachic work in rejecting the sheet of Shabbat Okay. Yeah. What's that? Right. I hear that. But do you, yeah, think yeah, my, yeah. do you think my reading is possible? Absolutely. Absolutely, it's possible. Um, absolutely, it's possible. Okay. <laughs> Uh, then he spends some time developing the sheet of the Gonim uh, and Abnisin. Talk about that uh, when we get deeper into it. Second. Okay, he has further rejections of Rabbeinu Tam. Let's just look at this for uh, one second. Here, let me just, let's quote here. Um, so if Galgal, so if Rabbeinu Tam, Hischil Achama, 
Okay. There's we'll talk about this issue with Urbanu Tam. Look what he says here. Uh he says Ain Mitsius Le Divir Tam Klau. I think with that's just a way of saying that there's no reality corresponding to Rabbeinu Tam Shita, uh, because Shkia is this just one event of the sun dipping below the horizon. And then he says, uh, he thinks the whole motivation for Rabbeinu Tam's Chiddush is misguided. Meaning, I take this next, I, you have to, you have to see, uh, appreciate the multi-pronged attack against Shita Rabbeinu Tam. So the first prong of the attack is that the science is all wrong and messed up, Right. The second prong of the of the attack, he's saying, look, what 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 makes Arbenu Tam Shita tick in the first place? Like what motivates it as a good Shita of Halacha? And he's saying, well, it's the fact that he has a nice Isha for Shita Sarbihuda between Psachim and Shabbos. Reconciling the five mil with the three-quarter mil of Shkiyaratzkochavim. Now we already saw the Ravan gave a different answer saying. That for Rabbi Yehuda, maybe Benash, uh, it's not Tezakochavim that's Kovea Laila, it's really Hichzifa Elyon, Vehishvela Tachton, that's the Sugin Shabbos, and the Gemara in Psachim is not, uh, you know, the Gemara in Psachim is rejecting the view of Rabbi Yehuda and is saying that Tezakochavim is Laila. But but the Maramalashkar is right, say, what was the motivation for Rabbi Nutam's view? It was this this yeshiva, the stira between the sugyas, and that's what gives it credence. That's what gives it explanatory power uh, or halachic validity. But he says, I, I'm not sympathetic to that because I think there's a much simpler solution to the stira. So Richard, take us through this. So notice, Ned, from the vantage point of the 21st century, is saying, ah, shitas or tam, it's a... Um, it's it's a immutable piece of the halacha, and and the 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 Ramah Lashkar saying she just to tam, that's just like a chiddush he had to be miyashiv stiras. So read that, read that, Richard. Um, yeah, it's without a whole Rabbeinu Tam's whole thing is without any foundation. So he's saying, he's saying, look, number one, th- this is an interesting type of argument. W- w- what's his claim? He's basically saying that how could Rabbeinu Tam have been the first one to come up with this question? Yeah, meaning it counts against Rabbeinu Tam's Chiddush that he's the first one to articulate such a bold revision of the Haggadar of Shkia. Meaning, meaning the fact that something like this is not articulated until Rabbeinu Tam, he thinks, uh, counts against it being the Jewish view. Okay. Gam. Gam ha-chiluk she-chalak b'shkios, eno chiluk mu'at she-hayu ma'alimin imenu ha'ayin, 
ולא השתמיד חד מכל הראשונים שקדמו לבנות אותם למימר, יעשה, ואדרבה, דקחה זינן דמחו לעמוכה, והרסו יסוד, אה, מה זה אומר? בניינו? בניינו. בניינו גדולי הגאונים, זכר קדושים ועד דירים לברכה. Right, so his point is that, number one, the Chiddush of Rabbeinu Tam, it's not like a minor thing. It's like a huge, uh, you know, it's a huge reinterpretation of Shkia. Number two, he's saying it's not like there's no opposition to it. He's saying, if you look at all the Gedonim, all the Gedonim, they seem to have a Shita that Shkia is Shkia. Right, that seems to be the the view. So you see that there's actually opposition to Shita of Rabbeinu Tam. It's not like they're silent on when Shkia is. If you read the words of the Gonim, his whole view is that they believe that night occurs You know, that Ben Ashmashos begins when the solar disk disappears. If you look, for example, let's go back to uh, the quote that he has. I think the clearest one was actually from Ravram Ben Arambam. Uh, let's see here. Uh, here. גם רב אברהם החסיד בנו של הרמב״ם פירש לנו הדבר בבירור שאין אחר הבירור. זה actually a, a funny thing that, you know, when you read the Rishonim, you do want the most precise formulation of Shkia. Right? What, what, this is our problem with interpreting Rabbeinu Tam. Like, what moment is he describing? The remarkable thing is, is Rav Ram ben Rambam gives us such a precise and lucid formulation of the, descriptive, of the description of the event of Shkia. So then he says, I don't know if that's true, that everything Rav Ram Ben Arambam said was a Masur from his father. But read this formulation of Ram Ben Arambam, which is an, uh, obviously in direct opposition to Rabbeinu Tam. Ben Ashmashos. Ben Ashmashos. Ben Ashmashos. Yesh bo min hayom ve yesh bo min halayla v'kule. V'hu mishe ta'arov ha-shemesh v'ad sh'iru shlosh ha-kochavim benoniim v'lo kechochavim ha-nira'im b'yom v'lo kechochavim she'e'afshar sh'iru ad lev halayla Okay, so what is Misha Teher of Hashemesh? Ben Ashmashos begins at Harav Shemesh. When is Teher of Hashemesh? So, Kodem Misha Teher of Hashemesh. Harehu Yom. Harehu Yom Vadai. Ve'yochol la'asos b'malacha yom shishi. Ve'ha'osa b'malacha v'sof yom m'shavos chayv skila. So, until the sun disappears, it's Vadai Yom. Even if half the sun is covered already by the horizon. It's not Yom until the entire solar disk is... covered. Bain on Erev Shabbos, Bain on Motsai Shabbos, Vafilu. Vafilu shishoka rov agulas ha-shemesh ba-ofek, v'lo nishar mimenu, ki im davar muat, kol od shlo tishka kol ha-agula b'chlala, v'ta'arov ha-shemesh tachas agulas ha-ofek, arei hu yom, u-mishpato k-mishpat chatsi ha-yom. Until the entire solar disk is covered by the horizon, it's like yom gamor. That's, uh, that's the... That's the very lucid and very clear and very descriptive Hagdara of Rav Ram ben Arambam, which the Ram Lashkar says, this is just the Shita of all the Gonim. By the way, I'm very sympathetic to the Ram Lashkar's criticism of Rabbeinu Tam, and I think that's probably a reason, even in our interpretation of Rabbeinu Tam, to believe that he wasn't suggesting something so different from, uh, from the Gonim. Now, What do you do with the stira? So we already saw the Ravan had his own way of, of resolving the stira, but look what he writes. Uh, here's just... Uh, here, so he says, uh, the Kol Shekane, we shouldn't be worried about this stira at all. 
the Kushan Rabbi Yehuda love Kashihu. Notice, it's not a good enough question to overthrow the history of halacha preceding Rabbeinu Tam. That's the lahasig bag vulos arishonim. The common ikabetalmuda. The common We have a lot of stiras between uh, Deos and the in the Talmud. Uchimosha kasev Ramban biyuma. So you just saying it's it's a it's a very reasonable principle of interpretation when you have a steer between two sugyas, not to rewrite the the Hagdara of the Halacha, but just to say, okay, uh Rabbi Yochanan wavered on an issue. We all you know it's very reasonable that Tanaim and Amaraim changed their mind. So you could say the same thing here. And he says, right? Rabbi Hananel does this often. Right? He's quoting he's quoting the uh it could be Nishalfa that they just the Gemara quoted in the name of the wrong person. This is all the Ramban and Sefer as saying as a principle of steros, what's the best thing to do? Should you just say it's Nishalfa Ashita? The Gemara just mis- misattributed it. Or should you say that the Bala Memra changed his mind? We know the Rambam changed his mind many times from Parish Mishnayas to Mishnah Torah. We, you know, it could be that all these Amoraim, Tanoim changed their mind over the course of their lives. There's actually, when you think about it, very little reason to believe that a person would consistently abide, have the same view, you know, over the course of a whole lifetime. Have any of you guys changed your mind about anything? <laughs> no, never, Richard. You're joking, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. So he says, Hachanami What's his solution? Yeah, maybe reviewed himself. In Psachim, when the Gemara quotes him, he was thinking like the Chachme Yisrael about the sun traveling over the Kippa. But then he he was convinced that the Chachmei Sol were wrong, so he changed his view, and then Benash Mashos became not five not five mil, but it became three quarters of a mil, like the Gemara in Shabbos. Once he was hoded to the view of the Chachmei uh, Chachmei Musolam. Okay, so he thinks there's no. He says the very thing that motivated Rabbeinu Tam's analysis. Is not a reason to accept uh, Rabbeinu Tam because there are there are other uh, other interpretations of the stira, other ways of resolving the stira. Okay, uh, and then in the in the tshuva here, you know, the rest of the tshuva after rejecting Rabbeinu Tam's view for all these reasons, uh, seems like he has three major reasons against Rabbeinu Tam. Reason number one being that he thinks the science is wrong. Reason number two is that he thinks it's too revolutionary. Uh, you know, somebody would have said it uh, before Rabbeinu Tam. It can't be that Rabbeinu Tam is the first person to get Zmanim right. And uh, reason number three is that he thinks the very stira that motivates Rabbeinu Tam's analysis is better resolved uh, in other manners. So like the dialectical method underlying Rabbeinu Tam's chiddish, or that gives evidence to it, uh, is is very tenuous and weak. So instead... The Maramalashkar develops what he thinks is the the scientifically correct view. The sun is disappearing beneath the horizon. 
Um, and the Haggadah of Shkia is when the solar disk disappears, like he quoted from Rav Ram ben Arambam. Let's just read this quotation of Rabbeinu Nisim Gon that he thinks is a good formulation of this idea, the Shita Saigonim, that Shkia is the disappearance of the solar disk, uh, and that Ben Ashmashos is the time frame between Shkia and Tezko Chavim. So just read this for us, if you don't mind. Gam Rabbeinu Nisim Gon. When the sun falls, right, which is Shkia Sachama, which I guess he takes to be like Rabbeinu Avram Ben Arambam, the disappearance of the solar disk beneath the horizon. Shkia Sachama. Okay. So he says that's assuming this uh, is kind of very straightforward idea that it's the sun dipping beneath the horizon that's Kovea Shkia, not this whole crazy uh, astronomy of the Nichnas Lechalon and then traveling above the Oberikia. And that's what he says. You could see over here that the Gornim assume. Okay. Um, any questions on the Maramalashkar? Let me just mention one other thing here that he he states. Uh, he quotes after after quoting that that view of the uh, Rambam Rambam. Look, just look how he summarizes after having said that whatever Rambam Rambam said, we could assume is the view of the Rambam himself. See, this Shiloh was sent him about the case in Egypt. So he's saying, look, uh, there's no question that we should follow the Ramam's Psaq. Uh, it's the, um, the Ramam's the Maradasra. And uh, if Rav Ram said this, we should assume it's the view of the Ramam, so we shouldn't be even entertaining the Shita of, of Rabbeinu Tam. Okay. And then for good measure, he says, um, by the way, <laughs> by the way, um, even if you go with Rabbeinu Tams that there are two Shkias, you know, maybe the maybe the Uraim is really right that uh, Shkia Rishona is before the solar disk disappears, such that Shkia Shnia is the disappearance of the solar disk. Which is basically saying you could deal with all the language and the Gemara and Misha Tishka versus Shkia, but not arrive at Rabbeinu Tams Shita. Okay. Um, then he concludes... Uh, we should follow the view of the Gonim, who the path for whom the paths of the heavens were illuminated as clearly as the paths of Naharda. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, the Gonim's uh, Shita that we should follow. Go ahead. Yeah, Rubayu Devasrai and most of the most recent commentators. That when is the Hagdar Ben Ashmashos? 
So that's the that's kind of the standard view of the Gonim. You have Shkia when the solar disk disappears, and then three quarters of Milabina Shmashos, and then um Tesakochavim a little later. Three quarters of a mil later, and that's the that's Hagdar of Lila. Okay. Um good. Anybody have uh concluding thoughts on this? The the Maramalashkar's analysis. Yeah, I just um like it, it is interesting that the emphasis is so much on that moment of the of the orb descending when the Mishnah itself seems to put more I mean I know it's a Mishitishka, but it seems to put more of an emphasis on the colors. Um and everybody just sort of like You're saying gets, Yadim, the the idea of uh Yadim. Yeah, Madim, yeah. Like that, I mean, I, I don't know, it seems like Rabiosi Shita. Like Rabiosi Shita, Mizrach Madim and Yom. Um Rav Yosef, um on interpreting Rabbi Yehuda. That like that in is the Gemara, in the Gemara and Shabbos. And and yeah, the, the Braisa of Rabbi like Rabbi Yehuda Shita is 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 um Kozman Shapnemizrahmadimin. Right? So I'm saying it like I think it's interesting. Everybody's talking about that moment the ball descends when um I mean I, I guess I guess it's fair because it says Misha Tishka, but like the I don't know, the colors um are sort of left to the wayside. Yeah, we'll see when we get to the Piske Halacha how they deal with the colors issue. But you're right. Certainly in the Maramalashkar, it's the actual Shkia that is that is Kovea. Right? Now again, my own view is that the Sheet of Rabbeinu Tam is probably much closer. It's probably the Maram Alashkar who is pushing the Sheet of Rabbeinu Tam as being so different from the view of the Gonim. But there is a way of reading the Sheet of Rabbeinu Tam as pretty close to them, right? Much more in line with a Uraim type Sheet. Okay. Good for today. Okay, so let's maybe talk. We'll talk quickly about the Gonim uh, next year. Uh, and then I believe I want to, I want to, um, I think it will be good for us to then start exploring the Haggadah of Yom. Like now look at the Neitzachama Alos HaShachar analog to Shkia and Seis. And then from there, uh, start talking about how we define Shos Manios. And I think that will give us a pretty comprehensive picture of uh, the system of Zmanim and the debates about how they work. Okay, so for next year, definitely look at the Gonim. Um, I might add one or two things on Shkia Tseis. Benash Mashos as its own entity, I'll talk about separately. Because the metaphysics or the, the exact lumdas of Benash Mashos is not so important for this Shaila of how we think of Zmanim generally. Although of course it's like super, I want to. It's super fascinating in and of itself, and I want to come back to it uh, after we have a a better sense of the relationship between Netzachama uh, and Alos. Like, why isn't there an equivalent Ben Ashmashos at that point of the of the morning? That's that's a important thing. What type of symmetry we expect from the zmanim of the morning to the zmanim of the of the evening? 
Okay, Shkoyach, everybody. Very good, uh, lively discussion. Shkoyach, Ned, for uh, pushing us also on philosophical stuff. All right, see you all later.